not just cheese and chocolate, a Swinglish podcast about books and other stuff I like. Christa from Switzerland and this is the 10th episode of my podcast. All music used in this podcast is provided by my husband Rolf. You can contact me via the podcast blog at notjustcheeseandchocolate.wordpress.com where you also find the episode notes and information on all the books and other media I mention. Today I talk mostly about The Wheel of Time, a book series that was recently adapted to television. After my part of the episode, Diane will explain to you why it is okay to stop reading a book that just does not work for you. Enjoy! Wow, so this is my 10th episode and uh, it has been a while since the last one. I needed some time off and I needed time to think about what I want to talk about next. And certainly it was very clear because this is my podcast and I'm allowed to talk about the things I love and like. And there is something I really want to talk about with everybody. But since no one else seems to be as interested as I am, I use this vehicle of mine to do all the talking and no one can tell me not to. If you're bored, just switch off, but I hope you won't be. So I'll start with something else over the holidays. I wanted to watch some lighthearted movies um, and there are lots of recommendations in the internet. I have one traditional Christmas movie that's a Czech Cinderella retelling that I love and I've watched many many times and now I wanted to see what's it all about with the modern day contemporary Christmas movies that apparently come out every year. I'm not a TV person so I'm not all that knowledgeable about it but then I looked at the recommendations and decided to watch the Princess Switch movies. This is some light-hearted romantic fun. I was able to completely get out of my brain and make myself believe in the romances and in all the characters played by Vanessa Hutchins. For this, you, you need to know that in the Princess Switch movies, in the first one, Vanessa Hutchins plays two people who look alike and switch places and in the second and third princess switch movies she even plays three different characters and she seems to really enjoy that and i like it when an actor or actress is enjoying her work so i was able to switch off my brain enjoy the movies and really get into the romances i'm not a very critical viewer I was introduced to these movies, to the movies by the Hibbing Bosoms podcast, and I liked it even better than they did. They, they were much more critical in their 
podcast episodes about it. I really like the romance for the romance sake and it, I did, for example, like Prince Edward, the Heaving Bosoms crew did not. I thought he was very sweet and he grew on me with each movie. Uh, the, the last movie is clearly the best. The first was very slow and visibly had a lower budget. And I loved how the other two sped up. We found much more going on, even if it was nonsensical. And yes, I liked revisiting the established couples. The Heaving Bosoms crew complained that there was a lot of the time of the movie spent with the established couples, which I liked. I'm part of an established couple and I still want there to be some romance, right? And I've heard from a friend that her 10-year-old goddaughter is totally into the movies, uh, which shows that either she or I have great taste. And I'm glad that I'm still capable of enjoying something this easy and light. And now to the real episode, which will be mostly about the Wheel of Time, which was my introduction to fandom. When I wrote this down, I theorized that maybe my first fandom experience in reality was watching movies with my cousins and fighting over who was the best Tarzan. So maybe the Wheel of Time is not my first fandom, but it was the introduction to the first worldwide fandom, that for certain. So The Wheel of Time is a book series, a book series of 14 novels and one prequel, and the prequel I still have not read. The series was written by Robert Jordan, that's his pen name. It's a fantasy, epic fantasy series. And the last three novels were written by Brandon Sanderson, based on notes by Robert Jordan and in a close working relationship with Jordan's wife and editor Harriet McDougall and the rest of Team Jordan. This happened because Robert Jordan sadly died before he could finish his series. And while for years he'd stated, or so I read, that he would not let anybody else finish his books, that they would just be unfinished if he could not do the job. He later changed his mind and allowed his wife uh, to use his notes and find someone to do the job for him because he was no longer capable of doing it. And my theory is that he changed his mind because he started late in his life, the years before he died, he started interacting or interacting more with the online community. Uh, and, and I think that realizing what the series meant to the fans, how involved people were, made him realize that he had a responsibility. Okay, it's not a responsibility, but he, he felt that they needed to know where the story was going. And since he had known the end from the beginning, that's something he always said, that he knew how it would end before he even started writing. And he thought that the fans deserved to know the whole story. So luckily for us, the series was finished and 
I think that Brandon Sanderson was very respectful in doing that job. And it was also helpful to his own career, of course. But I'm really grateful to him that he was able to sort through the the stuff that was available to him and then work it into free books. And also that he persuaded everybody that there would be three more books because at first it was the idea that he would do just one. And that would never have worked. The series started out uh, with plans on not being 14 books long. I think it was, it should have been a trilogy or something, but uh, as we now know, Robert Jordan could not do it short. So it all got quite out of hand and I'm glad for it. I have enjoyed the series. I've read it several times. I've listened to it several times and it's a world and a cast of characters that I'm glad to know and that I want to immerse myself again. My personal reading history is that I bought my copy of The Dragon Reborn in 1991 or 1992 when I was in my early 20s. And I did not realize at first that it was the third book in an ongoing series. I do not recommend starting with book three as it was very confusing. Also, it made it hard for me to relate to Rand, who is a very distant figure in The Dragon Reborn, but who is kind of the main character. If there is a main character in this series who has a lot of important roles. Uh, I had a, a bad accident in 2013 and I think one of the Sanderson books had just come out and I was reading it and then I had to lay in bed and could not move much and I had no way of reading the heavy of doing the heavy lifting that was needed to finish reading that book so that I started the audiobooks and I was very happy to be introduced to the audiobooks of The Wheel of Time as they are very well done. They are read by a married couple, Kate Reading and, and now I don't remember the name of her husband, sorry, he's very famous too, but I know her because she reads a lot of historical romance. Um, she's, she's a well-known uh, narrator of audiobooks, of historical romance audiobooks. And together with her, her husband, she does a lot of fantasy, big fantasy stuff. Also for Brandon Sanderson, she has done quite a few. And I'm sorry about forgetting her husband's name. I will write it on the website so you can check it out there. The audiobooks are, are a way that makes the books more accessible because they do have lengths and they are huge and long. So if you hesitate to start the books, maybe you could try out the audiobooks. It is, at least for me, a bit harder to follow the story in the audiobooks because of the names, so many names. It's helpful in a book that you can like flip forward, flip backward, look at how the names are written and you can do that on audio. On the other hand, it's much easier to get through a long book on audio. At least that, that is my personal experience. 
So about starting with the third book, that leads me to a small story about another series because I repeated the exact same mistake with the Outlander books where I first picked up Voyager, which is also the third book in the series. The Outlander series by Diane Gabaldon has some similarities to The Wheel of Time in that each book takes a long time to be written, is a huge honker of a book. The world is very involved and the cost immense. There are also differences in that the Outlander series spans over a much longer time, with the main couple actually aging something I love. And also Gabaldon does a better job with each volume standing on its own. It was therefore no hardship starting with Voyager, although there were huge spoilers for the first two books, of course. So back to the Wheel of Time. After having read all the available titles, I had to wait for the next volume, which brought me to the Wheel of Time fandom. This was before the widespread use of the internet, so the discussions took place on the Usenet, uh, a discussion network with news groups that were integrated in my Netscape email program. I joined the group Rec Arts SF written Robert Jordan, short Razor J, and it was a life-altering experience for me. I was lucky in that my brothers, my boyfriend, later husband, and several of my friends also read the book, so I had the chance at real-life discussions. But as we regularly had to wait for the next installment for years, and the books always left a lot of questions open, sometimes ending on cliffhangers that were not resolved in the next book, the online fandom was a real help. There was a lot of silliness, but also very serious discussions of theories around the story and its characters. And there was a lot of book-based fan fiction. So what are the books about? In short, it's a story in a world that is different for ours, but maybe is our world in the future or in the past, because there is that wheel of time turning again and again. It's the story of a group of young people, girls and boys, from a place called the Two Rivers, that have to go into the world while the world around them is changing in catastrophic ways. And there seems to be a big event coming up, the last battle against the evil of this world, the Dark One. and. There are prophecies about a dragon who will be reborn or has been reborn and someone is that dragon and must save the world and while saving it, probably destroy it. It's a world where there is magic, but the male source of this magic is tainted by the dark one, by the evil in this world, so that if men use the magic, it's called channeling, if they channel, they go mad. And thousands of years ago, there was a huge catastrophe, the world was destroyed by the male channelers. And so now the magic wielders of this world are all female, the organized magic wielders of this world are female, they're called the Aes Sedai, it's like an order that is organized with a, a headmistress. <laughs> 
um, and uh, they control or are said to control the politics of the world and they do catch uh, male channelers and steal them or I don't think I think stealing is the word used for female channelers if you take their capabilities away if you take the capability of a male channeler away it's called gentling which is very cruel because you don't want to live anymore if you can't touch the source of your magic anymore but it's the only way to stop them going mad so and if they go mad with that power, they can destroy the world again. That's the fear. That's why male channelers are feared. But the dragon who is reborn will probably be a male channeler. And what to do? If he is gentled, then the world will lose against the dark one because no one can stand against him. But if he goes mad, again, the world will be destroyed. So it's, it's really complicated. And you follow these young people and their loved ones. There are several romances in the books through this world and through much suffering and many adventures. And their friendships are tested and there is some mysteries to be solved. And the bad ones get bigger and worse and badder. <laughs> And they learn about their powers and learn to use it. And they learn about things they have to find and places they have to travel to, to save the world. So there is a lot of traveling and searching and riddling and solving in the book. And there are so many characters, important characters, that I'm sure there is one that you will connect with, several that you will connect with. And then you have to just suffer through the parts where they're not in the book. Sometimes your most important character, the one you love best, will not be in the book. But as now the whole series is out, it's it's really not as bad as it used to be when you waited for two, three years and then your main character was not in the next book and you had to wait another two, three years to see what happened to her or him. <laughs> so I think that people now have it easy. They can listen to the audiobook and they can read all the books connected to each other. They will much less lose the thread on, on what's going on and they don't have to wait as long as we had to wait at the time. So there has been talk about an adaptation to TV for a while. Uh, it was always clear that there would not be a movie because it would be really hard. Uh, it was already very hard to do The Lord of the Rings, I'm sure, with the three movies that follow each book of the three volumes but here we have 14 volumes and a larger world a larger cast and how to do it so now after game of thrones we all knew that it could be done that uh, a long epic fantasy series today could be adapted and that there was money for it because there are viewers for it so i don't read the Game of Thrones. I have not watched the TV series, but I'm grateful to it because I'm sure it paved the way for the TV adaptation of the Wheel of Time. 
As people who listen to this podcast already know, I have always been into adaptations. I remember doing the washing up with my youngest brother while discussing possible adaptations of books we had read or changes to movies we had seen. It was less the casting of certain actors that fascinated me, more the technical aspects of bringing the written word to the screen. There is a huge difference between the media and you cannot tell the story the same way when it is visual. I bought books about the making of certain films, especially films where animals or historical settings were involved. And I was very happy about the making of features brought to us with the advent of the DVD. Now another excurse, <laughs> it's not really related to the Wheel of Time, but this is my podcast, so I can do what I want. The first big adaptation of an ongoing book series that was of interest to me was the Outlander TV series. I read many articles about it and listened to podcasts that discussed the first season. I did watch the first two seasons of the series and then stopped, as there were some changes that made watching too uncomfortable for me. I was astonished by this as the acting was very good and I had no quibbles with the casting or obvious choices. Also, I loved seeing the actual landscapes and costumes as this is something I have a hard time imagining while reading. What went wrong? I remember watching the episodes with a strange detachment, just watching to see how it was done. There was one episode in season one that was different where I became part of it and did not stay outside. But for most of it, I, I did. I think the worst thing for me was that certain character traits of the main hero were changed. Apparently that was much worse for me than how different he looked from the image in my head. I'm still impressed with the series for the work they did. The famous wedding night was a celebration of the female gaze and the terrible torture and rape scene at the end of season one was incredibly well done, much better than I believed possible. So, when there was discussion of a Wheel of Time adaptation, I was very intrigued and worried that it would be similar to my Outlander experience. But I need not have worried. While I might not agree with all the changes and decisions made and Eight episodes was clearly too short to do credit to the story of the first book. I was instantly drawn into the action. No holds barred. All the emotions close at hand. There were scenes that made me cry because I had so long been waiting to see them with my eyes. There was one episode I cried for the first 10 minutes because it moved me so much. There is a good mixture of well-known, established and very young newcomer actors. There is a lot of wonderful diversity and there have been improvements on the original story in some much-needed places. I am so looking forward to season two. My husband was watching the first season with me and this made it even more special as we do not watch a lot of TV together. I don't have the time I apparently had in the 90s to follow the fandom, but I do follow the analysis by Silas K. Barrett on Tor.com and the commentary by Brandon Sanderson, who does read the scripts in advance and gives inputs from his writer's view and also as part of the fandom. I really think this series could be something for you to watch. 
It is very female-centered. There are strong, many strong female characters. A lot of the message is very feminist. Um, it is, of course, it's fantasy. I know many of my friends just don't do fantasy. And if it's because fantasy sometimes is brutal, then sadly, I must say that this series also has a lot of very brutal and cruel moments, maybe even more than was necessary. I can't say that the books are rather cruel and uh, there are many horrible things happening in them and it gets worse and worse with the end of the world coming nearer. But it's a book, so I, strangely, I can read very dark, torturous stories in fantasy when I couldn't read them if they were historical fiction. Also, what is different, for example, or I've heard is very different uh, with The Wheel of Time from, for example, uh, grim dark fantasy epics like the Game of Thrones series, that even if it goes to very dark places, there is always the hope. It's a story about hope. There is a lot of lightheartedness to it too. There's humor, there's friendship, there's love, there's romance. Uh, you have deep, deep connections between people and you have always the hope that the world will be saved because people are giving their all to save it. So there are also likable people in it. I've heard from other fantasy epics that there are no likable main characters. That's something I could not read. It's not of interest to me. I want to have heroes that are flawed, of course, that are human, that I can relate to because they're not perfect, but I still want them to be heroes, to grow into being heroes. And, and this growing is something that's very well done in the books, I think, and is also well done in the series as far as I can say now. The main characters in the book are slightly younger than in the series, which I find good because I don't want to <laughs> see 17-year-olds doing all that adventuring. I like that they're in their 20s now in the TV series. I think that is better. And it's still very young to me as they're the same age as my son, who to me is still very young. So there is still this feeling of the main characters being very young in this dangerous, dangerous world. That has not changed, but they are slightly older, which I find good. I'm very happy with the casting. I'm very happy with the diversity and I'm super happy with Lon and Moraine. The, that are kind of the main characters in the TV series. They are important in the books too, but less important than they are in the TV series. And Rosamund Pike and Daniel Henley really are the best possible choices for the roles. And I think you should watch the TV series just for them and then get drawn into the rest of it. The young actors are also all incredibly talented and good at their jobs. Even those who get bad scenes do their best with them. And I hope with more money coming for the second season and hopefully there will be many more seasons, not 14, but many more, so that we will have a final battle and the ending to it all. That's my hope. 
And I hope they don't go darker than they already go. Because uh, as Brandon Sanderson has mentioned, uh, the series is clearly a little more grimdark than the books felt. And that is probably for the modern audience, the younger people who watch. But apparently there are a lot of middle-aged people like me watching the series. Maybe that is linked to the old Wheel of Time fandom, who knows? Because we all started reading those books in the 90s and we are no longer young, but we watched the Wheel of Time. And so I hope they won't go darker and, and they will keep it in the hopeful spirit that the books were kept. Even in the darkest moments, there is always the light, which is in that universe. The adversary of the Dark One is the light. So let's hope for the best for the TV series and let's hope that many more people will pick up the books or listen to the audiobooks because of it and will join the Wheel of Time fandom so we can have lots and lots of discussions with them. And now please listen to Diane talking about the frustrations and pleasures of reading. And ignore the sirens in the background. It was just for a test. Hello, folks. Nice to be in touch with you again. How's the new year going for you? On my side, after COVID and cancer and Christmas and my brother leaving, things are doing pretty well. And I'm feeling very happy in the new year. And I am making some late but well thought out New Year's resolutions. And that is don't read bad books. I was so amazed um, that I have had such trouble reading some books. And my conclusion was it wasn't me. Because why do we read? We read <sighs> to relax, to learn, to escape. The pure pleasure of a craft we admire well done. So don't read bad books. And sometimes we are tempted because the cover looks so nice or the PR that accompanies it. I perhaps fortunately, can't give you the title of the book. I couldn't even find it anymore. But um, I like being outside in warm weather, so I have a book I keep down on the terrace so that when I decide, oh, it's nice and sunny, I'm going to sit and read for a while, I have a book right there. But it was one of Britain's best-selling authors, and boy, did it ever look good. So I started. And I started again, I think maybe even a third time, but I just couldn't get into it. And their descriptions, I thought, why are we talking about the floorboards and the gray walls and the dirty windows? There was so much and it was depressing. So I finally put it aside and thought, no, 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 no. And then I was happy to come back 
to books that make me happy. As you may remember, Louise Penny, I think, is fabulous. And Detective Gomash. Oh, I love him. It's like he's a person I know. If you've ever seen the Foil's War series, he looks like like foil to me. Yeah, and I just love it. It's like going to see an old friend when I pick up one of the books. Or uh, on a different level, the New York Times bestseller, Janet Ivanovich, Notorious 19, or she has a number for all the titles and stuff. And that is pure blissful escapism. And don't we all want to unplug sometimes? That feels so good. Um, I could read it over just for the fun of it, just to put myself in that groove that I know I'm going to feel good. I like this. And that brings me to another grievance about also a British book. Rachel Joyce wrote a book called Perfect. And it says on the cover, brilliantly realize, grips the reader on every page. You will end up recommending this wild, searching book to everyone you know. No, 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 I will not. Never, ever. I was depressed almost from page one, and it has over 300 pages. And I could hardly bear it. It was awful, just awful. I was getting, I was getting depressed knowing I'm going to be reading before bed and I'm going to read that book called Perfect. Oh, oh, oh. My husband started asking, what page are you on now? When are you going to be finished with that book? And in the last quarter, she pitches a surprise and it really startles you. And I'm not quite sure it's fair. She took the reader on such a long ride before deciding that she was going to shift gears on us. I was not happy about that. Not at all. So, perfect, <clears throat> rather imperfect in my opinion. And now I come to my latest joy of life. Der hundertjähriger der aus dem Fenster stieg und verschwand. I read Jonas, Jonasson's book in German. In German. Th over 300 pages. And I was captured from the beginning and never let go. I didn't want to let go. If I could find them, I would go and visit these characters. In fact, the author I now know, and I haven't been stalking, um, Jonas jo Jonasson lives in the Tessin. I am thinking of writing a fan letter. I don't know, but I love the work. And it was fabulous all the way through. And I was laughing out loud. And that in German. It was beautifully but most beautifully translated and I have done some translating and I know that that is no small feat and it was 
by a, I don't know how to say these names, Vibki Kun. I don't know if that's a man or a woman, but I sure do respect how the cra- the craftsmanship showed so well. To me, it was seamless. My German may not be perfect <clears throat> at all, but the writing was a pleasure to read. So I'm now looking forward to reading a book by his in English now. However, I got a little bit scared at the beginning because it's from an orphan who cleans out toilets. So I'm not too sure. But anyway, I have such a good feeling about this man. I'm just going to try it, I guess. So how it can be that books can touch us so well in so many ways. And yet on the other side, they can frustrate, they can annoy, they can be a bad waste of time. And time and life is precious. So let's get on with the good stuff. And Ann Tyler, isn't she marvelous? You almost feel like you know the people. And I don't know, that's to me, that's when writing is at its best, when it's so real for you. The, the people, the characters are genuine people and, and you are wondering, oh, and they become friends or part of the family or somebody you would like to know or you wish there was a TV program about it. And I hadn't heard so much about Toni Morrison, but being that she was a winner of the Nobel Prize, I thought, well, maybe that'd be a little too highbrow for me, or or, I don't know, will I understand it? Will I find it cool or good? And I read Sula, and it touched about hard things, just like Perfect did, but in such a different way that you could see the lesson behind it. You could see the meaning of the author. She was not playing any tricks. She was not pulling punches. She was telling about life to people who don't know about life very much from the perspective she brought forward. And it was a gift. It was truly, truly beautiful. So it's short and quick today, folks. I just want to share with you again, enjoy your reading, enjoy good books. And when they're crap, call a spade a spade. It's crap. And you do not have to waste your time on it. No no matter how much or how little you spent on that, it ain't worth it. Your life, your time is more precious than that. All the best. Catch you later. Bye-bye.